Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our analysis of Shining Girls, Episode 7, which is entitled Offset. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm Vienna. Hi, I'm Kimberly. Hi, I'm Julia. Hi, I'm Scarlett. And I'm Kate. So before we start on this episode, our language expert is back and Julia can tell us what Maddie, I mean, Clara said in French at her show and on the videotape. I spent a lot of time figuring it out. I hope I'm not too wrong. And if so, please, please, uh, Silke or whoever <laughs> wrote that episode and the French correct us. Uh, because what I understood is she says, I am fire. You've seen my light, but now it will blind you. Well, that makes sense. Um, I feel like it's accurate enough to the show that you're probably pretty close to right, if not. Yeah, it's also, I think, pretty kudos to what she actually told Harper about her performance because she was talking about how Josephine was lighting a fire to... Osiris begging him for a child. Yeah, true. Well, so this episode starts off with Sharon getting off the train to the song Lucky Number, which is all about being confident alone until... There's a weird feeling in the air, and I think the song's about love incoming, but it seems like it fits here too. This is before the attack, and she's living in 2B, and her mom's there. So I was like, wait. But then she's immediately like, why are you at my place? So this was definitely pre-attack, normal life. They don't live together. Mumsy um, did not take Tokyo for a walk, but she did give her pizza for dinner. So that was helpful. And you can see Shara and Kirby like being parental to her mom, sort of like helping her fix her makeup. You never get it right. And uh, But her mom's super proud. They're both really proud of her first byline about a judge who took a lot of bribes. I don't think that that's going to end up being relevant, but they did mention it. I was thinking Harper is probably following her on the train and also looking for, I was also looking for him outside the, this window and I, I failed to find him for a minute, for like a half second. I think I see a head outside the window, but it's probably me just trying to see something too hard. It probably would have made it obvious. Yeah. Agreed. And um, does she have that like peacock mirror in every apartment do you guys know the fractured mirror anyway just more fractured mirror then she's walking tokyo and she finds the tennis ball that we saw in a previous episode next to the crime scene and she throws it for him and there are two people on the beach literally like watching her as she throws it and then right before but then they disappear they're off screen right when he attacks and as tokyo runs to the ball she gets attacked from behind and flipped over by harper and his giant ring or whatever that is he wears and he says stay still you fucking whore and the scene is not continuous. It kind of um, is filmed in cuts. And at first I wondered if that was because we were seeing more than one iteration of the attack, especially because at one point she had something stuffed in her mouth for part of it, but not all of it. But you do see him. I think you see him stuff it in there and take it out. So it could just be one attack. It could just be the attack. Um, and then she's narr- and then she's telling Jenny and Dan, that's where I ended up, just on the ground. That's where I could really see it. Sand cigarette butts. I didn't want that to be the last thing I saw. So I just kept moving. I wanted to get far enough that I didn't die looking at trash. And then someone found me. She said nobody else saw him. But when she showed up, it was full of people. And then after it, it emptied out. First, the thing I, I the first thing I, I wrote, but I'm so glad that they didn't do what they did in the book. In the book. I wanted to talk about that, too. I actually disagree. Yeah. But everybody else agrees with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that the dog protected her and saved her life in the book but yes the dog then dies so this is obviously in many ways i think they should have shown him at least running back to her and giving her like little licks on her face or whatever like where did tokyo go go? yeah i 
actually same if you're gonna include him he should do something i think actually it's troubling to me to just to think of him just run off and we don't know what happened to him that he just yeah. is, is just astray somewhere that's very dragging that leash behind him Aww. um but no i like i like protective dogs in movies that protect their people so for me i'm the only one that wishes even in the whole scenario of him dying that it was included but obviously so so just for those non-book readers so what did happen in the book that he he stayed and pr- tried to protect her yeah is that's that the only reason she survived is because her dog who seemed to be a bigger dog i'm not sure what kind mm-hmm. but a big dog fought harper off and attacked him and that's why she survived and then oh god i don't even think i can I should that say. makes actually more sense <laughs> to me then she carries the yeah. dog then she picks up the dog despite having i mean she's crawling on the ground with her with her stomach cut open like, oh over like, like she must have dragged, dragged all her intestines over the place it was hard like to this. watch right it was like, hard to watch knowing her stomach was cut i was like oh my god she's literally pulling herself over sand and yeah oh my god. Yeah, exactly. Knowing her wound, her incision, that it was so big and that, that right. and this is, I mean, I know they, like you said, they kind of cut it up. So we're not seeing the entire thing, but Harper did a lot in that period of time because apparently he removed part of her intestines and mm-hmm. he put the thing inside her and, and, uh-huh. and left her. I mean, it just, and I, like the question from an early episode, I think it was Julia who said like how did she survive this I mean how on earth did she survive that and then flip herself over and drag herself to safety it just uh, uh, yeah. so it make it it would have been helpful to give a reason to that like how she survived instead of just that she does I'm also surprised he doesn't like he didn't wait to see that yeah, she's actually too. dead yeah because there was no reason in the show like there wasn't a book he was being attacked right yeah that would have made more sense if the dog was trying to get him. If he was chased off and interrupted him in the middle or something like that so that he didn't feel yeah. Maybe Tokyo it... chased him off off screen and just didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, with little yappy barks. <laughs> <laughs> I think the point of her of him cutting them like that is for them to bleed out. So maybe he didn't cut her, right? And that's why she survived and she didn't yeah. bleed out. Uh, I mean, I think that's what we learned further down the episode, that the cut is made that way precisely for for that to mm-hmm. to do more damage do you remember yeah. that the the medical examiner said that there was a stat or something mm-hmm. and she said that yeah. he was interrupted you mm-hmm. know and that part wasn't show uh but i guess mm. yeah he was like you know there was there was a, a lot of people around for some reason they disappeared but uh but i think maybe he was like kind of expecting people to come or something so Yes, she says that somebody had walked by. Yeah, I wanted them to make that more clear too, because she repeats it to Ginny and, and Dan that there were there were a lot of people there, and then suddenly there weren't. And but we had such tight shots of her that we didn't like. Once the attack happens, we don't really see what's going on around her. Yeah, and we didn't see a lot of people beforehand. I didn't think I kind of it was you know, no, it was wasn't like that five many. people maybe. I noticed that there were two guys when she was like throwing the ball. There were two guys mm-hmm. you know, by the lake, and then. They start to move, right? Mm-hmm. He throws her to the floor. It's exactly when they go, when the leash just falls away. Does anyone think that what he stuffed in her mouth was the hanky? I thought at first that it could be, you know, when I was looking at the screenshots, but I'm not 100% sure. I mean, it, it looks colorful or maybe glowy. So then I thought maybe it's glowy because it had the radium that was clear temperature. But I think that they would have mentioned that. As yeah. part of, I just don't know, you know why he took it out. 
Yeah. But yeah, he takes it and he takes it with him. So he didn't leave it with her. So that was that was weird. But I was also going to say that she says when she's talking to Dan and Jeannie at the, I guess that's the bar, the restaurant, that he's ahead of her. But we see her being attacked from behind. And she I always was, says. I thought that maybe she meant that he was already there waiting. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he obviously knows where she's going to be at what specific time. He's seen this a million times probably. This is the perfect time to attack her. Um, And he's already there waiting. Like he wasn't following her. He knew that she'd be there regardless and he was there waiting. Yeah. Ginny said, ah, that was uh, what happened to me. And that's what's actually what happened. He was waiting for her on the rooftop, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I had a a comment here because when I was doing the... The analysis of the trailers, uh, I made a post about the attack because I, there was a little clip in the in the trailer about it, and I was very concerned about like how they would uh, take it or portray it because it was too violent in the in the book. Uh, I actually that made my feelings when I was watching the scene like stronger and uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what they would do with that and uh, Lauren Butts. Uh, wrote a comment in that post and I want to read it because I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, She wrote, uh, I'm sorry, it was such a traumatic scene to read. I wanted it to be for you to feel the horror of violence and what it does to us. I can tell you the series handles it brilliantly. It's not gratuitous, you see very little, but it is still harrowing and emotionally devastating. So yeah, it was like, I, I think that when I actually was glad that uh, Lizzie was the one directing this, this scene because I think it was really like handled it, uh, handled it correctly, you know, because uh, we, it was necessary to feel how, how horrified was that yeah. what, without making us go through it. You the know? gratuitous, yeah, I agree. They did a great job. It's really cool that she commented on your, um, was this your, by the way, we don't shout out your Twitter enough. Um, Deanna runs Shining Girls updates. And what else? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, just uh, that one. Uh, and uh, Lisa Moss clips on Instagram. Lauren Bucas has been super supportive and we love her so much. Um, and Silka Luisa also came on Instagram and sent us a really nice direct message. So um, thank you. We love you both for being supportive. That's awesome. Back to the attack. Yeah, I, they, I don't think it's the handkerchief because the handkerchief is like mostly white with like floral. Mm-hmm. And what he's stuffed in the mouth almost looks striped and more colorful. I, I could, The only yeah. thing I could figure out, I really, really tried to figure it out. And then I finally was like, maybe it's just trash from the beach. But yeah, I don't know. Out, it was really away. small. It was hard to see because it was really small. Yeah. I think to me, it looked like like some crumpled up paper. Yeah. Napkin paper, wrapping paper, whatever. Ma- maybe, maybe it's from, from her workplace. Uh, poster or what i don't know or maybe it's just trash yeah yeah i wonder if he kept it though because why would he take it out why would he take it out is a good question doesn't make sense so. maybe it's in his little stash at his house like he's got some weird like probably stash of souvenirs super weird the only point about the book versus this um show that i might not have gotten out is that in the book she also um performs like a superhuman feat after the attack by carrying her dog um oh. to help even though unfortunately it was too late for the dog um it was super sweet that she although she like intestines were falling out she picked up her dog and like that was that was what motivated her that was what motivated her to 
to go to get away was trying to save her dog. So I'm going to cry. I guess it's good that they didn't include it. <laughs> yeah, see, as a dog person or just an animal person in general, if I'd have seen that, I would have just like turned the TV off for like five minutes and just cry. Oh, yeah. So then uh, she's telling Jenny and Dan, I guess Jenny said, so he followed you. We kind of covered it already. So he didn't yeah. follow me. He was already there. Just Jenny agrees. That's what happened on the rooftop. But he was only there to send you a message. And then Kirby asked what time it was. And then realized it was the same time that Dan's car changed yesterday at 8.30. And then Kirby reminds Jenny that he took her keychain and left it in another woman. And she says, what does that mean? Is he going to kill me? And then she says, he already has, just not yet. And everybody just like takes that as if it's normal. Yeah, understandable. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> She didn't react. I was like, um, okay. Well, things have gotten weird, so I don't know. <laughs> um, and then they're analyzing the f- video with Freddie. I fucking love that Freddie's a part of the investigation now. Even though yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's entirely inappropriate. I don't care. I love it so much that he's like fully part of the team. <laughs> How old was he again? Uh, 12, right? 12. Okay. And they're running through funny, funny theories. Like, maybe she's really short. Maybe she's really tall and it's a joke. <laughs> I just really enjoyed that little scene. So unfazed by everything because remember the um the crime scene photos that that Kirby was yeah. trying to hide from him in the mm-hmm. kitchen. He's like, oh, it's nothing. I have I've seen worse. <laughs> Good parenting. Great parenting. Okay. Um, and then Freddie gets in a dig about Dan drinking because Kirby had said, oh, maybe, well, maybe it's a bar, and he's like, no, no, if it's a bar, my dad would know. <laughs> and then Dan switches to Portuguese. Um, Anyone speak Portuguese on the Diana, line? do you? I understand a little bit because it's similar to Spanish, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what he said. Like he said, like don't talk like that. He said, I I literally said that don't talk like that. Our Brazilian Melissa, who's not here and should be, uh, sh- I asked her and she said it was something like respect your father, like don't talk like that, you know. Uh, so that comment though drew attention, drew my eyes to the beer that he was drinking in the morning before work, and I was like, oh, we're back at that again. However, he stands up. Walks off screen for one second and the beer turns into a coffee cup that says world's greatest dad. So I don't know how to explain this, but his, somebody's reality just changed. Like it's possible he set it down really quickly and picked up a coffee cup really quickly, but I don't think that's what happened at all. It's, and I couldn't tell if anyone noticed either. Like if, if Kirby noticed it or if, I mean, Dan didn't obviously didn't notice. notice it at all. Yeah. And he would have. So maybe it's Kirby's reality changing then, but I really want his reality to change. So I don't It know. could be his reality changing, maybe. I don't know, I know but I, I would never have noticed that if Freddie hadn't talked shit about his drinking and I hadn't <laughs> paying attention for that reason. So the car is also his car. I mean, obviously Kirby's there, but I think the things that have changed have been more Kirby's things. Yeah. So now dance, quote unquote, dance things are also changing. So that's a good point. Because why would his car change for her reality? That doesn't really affect her that much. No. Um, but she remembers and he doesn't. So I don't know. Basically, exactly. I really yeah. want his reality to change for certain reasons at the end of the episode. <laughs> but so I was I was excited when I saw the, the beer bottle change into a coffee cup. So maybe it's uh, because if you mention that, then maybe it's, I think it wasn't it Dan who said maybe it's what to come. Yes. And it says world's greatest dad. So maybe. So yeah, maybe maybe it's, it's what it's, it's like the thing that's to come. Yeah. Better than the beer bottle. <laughs> I don't know. Freddie's turning out pretty well with shitty parents. So. so then Dan encourages Kirby once again to call Marcus and she's like, yeah, oh, he's at a baseball game and he's covering the Cubs game at the office. 
By the way, the Cubs were playing away playing the Braves on April 27th, 1992. They were home playing the Pirates on the 24th, 25th, and 26th. And I don't think it would be earlier than that, but they were playing the Phillies previously on the 20th through the 23rd, which I mentioned only because I'm a Phillies fan. Anyway. I think we're on the 26th, like... 26th. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, that would make sense because they're home. Yes. So yeah, because on the 25th is when Harper goes on the rooftop to meet Ginny, and then it's the next day when they meet at the bar with Ginny. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. I think after that they go um, to Dan's home and look at the tape and then. Okay, so checks out. Back to the awkward conversation at hand. Dan points out that she seems cooler about Marcus in general, and she says, "Is there a reason I shouldn't be?" And he's like, uh, you just you think he's a stranger, but Dan, I, I don't know. I feel like there are some flirty, like jealous vibes going on here. I do too. No, well, I, I, I too. so they were both testing each other. And I, I, um, I feel like Dan was curious about how Kirby really feels about Marcus and Kirby was testing Dan to see if he was jealous about her possible acceptance of Marcus as her husband mm-hmm. or the potential of for Marcus in her future. So anyway, yeah, I think like all of those little scenes are just little bits of like testing flirtation. But it's the same part. I, I thought it was by the same bookcase. They had their first conversation that was exactly like this. But I couldn't quite identify that. It was in that entry, like a doorway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when she said, is there a reason I shouldn't be? That's pretty blatant flirting, right? Mm-hmm. She wants him to say something. Um, and then she says the whole, maybe you're right. Maybe he's a choice I'm going to make. It seems content and happy with it. And Dan tells her she should tell him that, see what he thinks, which she does. Do you think that he told her that? I don't know. I think he's still being a good guy, nice guy. I don't think he's doing it because he thinks Marcus is going to react terribly, but he probably knows Marcus is going to react terribly. So I don't know. So you mean he's driving a wretch between him? <laughs> he's like <laughs> purpose. forcing the issue, let's say, making her like find out so they can, you know. Interesting. He does say that, you know, what was it that he said? That he's not a all like he's, he's all decency no compassion i think that's the first time like that that first time it's uh dan the one that kind of flirts with kirby right in the car he says, i'm highly yeah i'm highly eligible yeah and right. she kind of right. smiles you know that's cute i love them back to jenny focusing on that poster again why is she always focusing on that goddamn poster all it says is adler planetarium operated by chicago park district oh and her office seemed kind of emptier to me but i'm not sure if that's accurate it's probably just because the kids weren't there and they weren't doing a presentation but it would fit with her as she's kind of being emptier and this time gary asked her to lunch and i think she started to say no again but this time she decides to say yes i guess to change things Mm -hmm. up or have someone around her i don't know and on their way out you see the poster again jen so keynote speaker monday april 27th 1992 just to confirm the date we kind of already knew for later and then there's uh, another highly relevant galactic speech our universe is a vast expanse of gas and dust constantly evolving and expanding it is the cradle for billions of stars but all it takes is one star to change the course of the galaxy a billion years into the future so i'm guessing kirby can save everybody judging from that mm-hmm. and i hope that includes dan i guess we'll find out there, there is a there is a uh, something there that is did you know emma silvers uh she's the one that runs the love and the squatter pictures yes uh, Silver, yeah. part of the three you know behind that company uh-huh. uh, there was a cameo of her there that is him oh my god that was it i was like i recognize that woman in the seat and yeah. now thank you i've seen her on social media oh my god thank you diana i swear to god i paused it i was like why do i know her and i was trying to think of what show she's in but it's from instagram that yeah. is so funny 
as everyone gets up, Harper realizes that Jen Sook isn't in the presentation like she always is, and he looks angry. And then Kirby and Dan are looking in the phone book for teenies, and Kirby sees Marcus pass by and decides to go handle that situation. And he, Dan watches as she walks off. Um, and Marcus looks super happy to see her as always. Oh, and she's selling, she's catching him up on the investigation. They found a woman that knows him from a place called Teenies. And Marcus knows the place. It's a meat packing place in or- Orchard Heights. Is that what he said? Archer. 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 Okay. Archer Heights. And then he tells about the story that he shot that Dan wrote. And she's like, no, he doesn't remember it. And Marcus is like, of course he doesn't remember it. He's always mm-hmm. talking shit about Dan. It makes me mad. It's another thing that Dan doesn't remember. Yeah, that right. happened. Which hmm. may not be alcoholism, right? It may Maybe, be. Hopefully. It may be. Ever since the first episode, there's always been mentions of Dan not remembering something. Yes. And he just attributes it, I think, to his addiction or to his his uh, alcoholism. Lifestyle? I don't. Yeah, like I would like it could be that there is another reason for it, but he just like dismisses it because of um, his black he thinks it's a blackout or something like that right but maybe it's not maybe not Yay. well when he's talking to the cop in the first episode and they're talking about you know his his case he says that he chose treatment so but he we see him taking a drink you know after the cop leaves but he does go on this binge right after he talks to marcus like after marcus is telling him about you know that confrontation they had right that's when office. he like really like falls off the wagon yeah but he knows like that that he was like i mean we saw him i mean he was really going to town with that i mean we saw the receipt that you know i don't know if he drank all what was it 30 plus drinks or whatever if he was buying Mm -hmm. but the thing is is that he doesn't have a blackout from that he remembers that right you know he remembered meeting harper after that doesn't he did he i don't know if he does no i don't think so are you sure he remembers Harper just from Ginny's place, I think, uh, from from uh, Julia's place. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There have been a lot of mentions though. Of things oh. that I just really hope it is like something to do with reality, and then it'll probably not be in next episode. It's literally just because he's high as fuck all the time. Yeah. Oh. Well, because and he tells the story of how he got kicked out. Like he literally couldn't remember the story he was writing when they found him somewhere on a construction site later when he when he finally got kicked out of the tribune it seems a little bit extreme right i mean even if you black out you're going to remember something you've been working on for weeks even if you don't remember like the details i don't know i do think that 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 there's something else going on here but maybe that's wishful thinking um okay so yeah so marcus but marcus jumps to talking shit about dan like so quickly it annoys me he says she should get better people in the story and he volunteers to drive her down there and she says we'll be fine and then decides it's like finally time to do this and she grabs his hand sweetly and they sit down and she tells him up until last week I didn't really know you those photos you showed me I didn't recognize any of them it's still me but it's from part of my life I haven't gotten to yet and he says really you think that how long has it been like this since your birthday and then he tells her you know she can't keep going with the story and she tries to stay positive and says I don't know you now but we're together because one day I will and then he blames the whole thing on Dan again, which is like, what the fuck is Dan telling you? And I understand he's being freaked out by what she's telling him, 100,000%. But his outright like hatred of Dan and blaming it on him is um, getting old because he has nothing to do with what she just told him, her lack of memory, you know? And so that sucks. I, I don't know. He has these weird like outbursts of anger that I dislike the way that he communicates, I guess. Now, he asked an interesting question in all that, though. He, he says, who do you think it was then? which I thought was interesting, like almost uh, when I saw this for the first time in that moment, I thought 
he was trying to understand and not just jump straight to insanity or 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 just her a mental breakdown but um but then i and on the second viewing i think he was trying to figure out how deep her how deep the problem was maybe like who do you think it was then and she says it's me but it's from a part of my life i haven't gotten to yet and so i mean you can understand the confusion and not knowing how to take what she's telling him it's just interesting the way he handles this compared to how dan had handled it well dan went to went dan went around her life trying to find support for what she's trying to make sense of it and yeah so that he, he didn't avoid the let's just take her to the loony bin right and he worked at that like he worked at trying to understand her and what was going on with her as opposed to dismissing it and not considering it any further and getting her fired she's also she's also communicating with dan she's not communicating with marcus yeah. and obviously as an audience we see from every angle what's going on she's not losing her mind she's actually getting stronger and focusing and it's helping her understand what's going on Right. Uh, but Marcus doesn't see that. So Marcus is just going to see her completely falling apart. So I do understand that he was being considerate and he was being worried, but you know, he didn't take the time to listen to her. Like Rachel mentioned, like there are times that Dan doesn't believe her, but he doesn't diminish what she's saying. Like he still listens and he gets a little frustrated, but he gives her the space for her to be able to, to communicate. That's why they click so well. Yeah. I think it's an interesting scenario where we as viewers have known from day one what's going on sort of and and even in this episode i was surprised when they're like just understanding that clara's from 1920 because we've known this for so long you know but it makes sense because they haven't but i remember being like wait we're just they're just understanding this <laughs> so it's just a different kind of setup from shows that i'm used to uh then dan and kirby are at teenies and she's wearing a different jacket she's changed from from the scene that they were just at the sun so next day i think yeah I think as her confidence grows, she shows off her scar more. She certainly looks a hell of a lot better than the clothes she was wearing in the first episode. They they go into the slaughterhouse, and as Dan's in the office trying to find somebody to help, she realizes she sees the pigs hanging and realizes mm-hmm. that he used to work here, and this is why he cuts them the way that he does in the cross fashion, because that's what they do to the pigs. I think it's it's how he learned how to do it or how he gained that skill, but I don't think the cross... I think the cross still comes from the war Cantini. yeah that makes sense and then the brother of the dude that owns the place uh comes out and he's kind of angry at first and he calls kirby out on her shoes so i was like okay i'm gonna pay attention to the shoes now but nothing happens there and they ask about the woman that was killed there and he softens up and he takes him to see where she died it was a very quick change of attitude on his part and as he's coming in as they're coming into this area he says sorry about the lights some jackass just came down here and smashed them we get a lot of that people no, it's where they found Clara and they want to check it out mostly stoned up kids um says they stopped using this area a decade ago thinking it was more sanitary to do it elsewhere and bring it in in a refrigerated truck and they found Clara in this tank where they bled the pigs they couldn't miss her she was so bright down there she was covered in radium the stuff has a half-life of 1600 years that's insane and they asked well can your workers come down here after you shut it down and this is when they, he drops the big reveal for them that they found the body in 1920 where they're clearly thinking it was in like the last decade uh not i wrote not surprising to us so i kind of forgot they didn't know that's too far back dan says he can't be the same guy but kirby and kirby says he dumped her body in this tank with the blood and the shit and dan was like yeah he was trying to hide her and kirby remembers how she felt when she was dying among the like trash on the beach he was trying to punish her well he was trying to punish her because she didn't 
respond to him the way that he wanted. So he brought her back. Like she didn't want to stay working at Teeny. She wanted to be this big dancer and glamorous. So he dumped her literally with a picture. Like this is where you belong. So it just shows just what a fucking piece of shit he really is. Interesting that he killed her at the house and then took her back to this place they worked together. Yeah, I didn't understand why he did that. Why he yeah. dumped her in that time she was existing. I mean, they could have easily, like in my opinion, easily find a connection between between them. Yeah, it would make more sense to dump her in a different time entirely. Yeah, but maybe that wasn't possible. I thought yeah, like maybe yeah, no. maybe they she, it was not really possible because. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not possible because she was not alive anymore because she was killed in the house. So I can't time travel now with him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, I was going to say that they mentioned that she was killed in the, the slaughterhouse. I don't know who, I don't remember who said that. Oh. But they say that, she, that he was killed. I, I guess what I thought was that he like punched her and that's in the house and then took her there because they assumed she was killed there. I love that there's always, like, again, a reference of pigs, like, in him. There's <laughs> always just pigs around. I was like, oh, pigs. I now yeah. associate pigs with you, Yulia. I don't know. That's a good thing. Also, also like, the um, pig or hog can also be a symbol like, for sacrifice, especially um, in combination with blood. True. So, like, I'm still wondering why he does that. Like, I'm, I'm still, like, I don't know. I'm still not, I'm still not convinced that it's just for fun like all the killing is there must be more to it for me but maybe i'm just i'm just like wanting it to be more than there's than than there's actually behind it and he's really just enjoying and feels bigger killing all those uh, great women right um all right so to jenny at the planetarium and she is another speech, another galactic speech. Our on-site aperture telescope captured this image. On the edge, you'll see a cluster of stars on the edge of our galaxy, Omega Centauri. These may look like any other stars, but they don't belong here. Billions of years ago, we collided with another galaxy, and these stars are all that's left of it. And now another galaxy is making its way towards us. Andromeda, four billion years into the future, an irreversible collision will occur. And then her mic goes out, and she's calling for Theo to fix it. But it's Harper up in the sound booth, and he starts playing the sound of her murder from episode one. Also, the song that's playing is the same song that was in episode one, just before she was about to go run to see what was happening with the telescope feed. You can also hear the telescope turning. And so I'm pretty sure that, because I was wondering what he brought inside this telescope room, and now I'm pretty sure it's a recorder. Yeah, I was thinking the same. The the Omega Centauri is, is actually a cluster of stars that was discovered. Um, so it does exist. And uh, obviously Andromeda is also a cluster of stars. But there's a lot of Greek mythology in terms of the Andromeda um, story. And has, it also mentions like a Pegasus because um, Perseus rescues Andromeda from a sea monster. But Perseus kills Medusa by cutting off her head and from her neck a pegasus is born so i thought that was curious when i was looking at it and then interesting the pegasus in terms of omega like a male omega is the opposite of an alpha male so a male omega is of lower social status and desirability but a female omega is intelligent submissive and prefers to be alone i don't know if they that's just me researching or you know so it was it was it was interesting because when you when you start kind of googling you just get the information of when like the omega centauri was discovered and what it is and it's exactly how they explain the show but if you look a little further you can find kind of like 
maybe parallels to it. I thought it was interesting. I was also trying to figure out if there was any significance to what she talks about with galaxies colliding. Jamie has said quite a few things that are very parallel to what's going on in terms of all the episodes. You know, she there's quite a, a few things that she's told that are kind of like foreshadowing in terms of her knowledge of the stars. And obviously, well, it's the shining girl, so I'm pretty sure that's on purpose. Then we're with Kirby and we hear the reality changing sound and we see the room that they're in and the slaughterhouse has been changed to the cold refrigerated storage that the guy said they were planning for 10 years from then. So any business owners with big plans for the future should invite Kirby to come to their <laughs> Redecorate. And then Jenny's in her office and her phone, or, you know, she's just left the planetarium and her phone's ringing off the hook and Gary says someone named Kirby just keeps calling. So she rushes to pick it up and Kirby's asking if she's okay because she knows now that when her reality changes, it means he did something. And she's correct. They're talking to the guy that owns Teenies and Kirby tells Dan that Jenny thinks he was there, but she won't leave because she has a big talk that night. Jenny has not learned a lot. Uh, he finds some union cards from back then. Kids started working there at the age of 11 or 12, which is crazy. And they see Cla- they find Clara Miser, uh, and she was a meat trimmer. And we kind of hear a brief reference to the cattle boxes here, because he says the younger ones would drive the cattle. They'd be the last ones to see them alive. But if you were too big, you could get stuck between the rails and the steer. And then they find Harper, who was listed as John Smith because he was underage, and he was a butcher apprentice. And then you see Harper walking by IBM Plaza, He's wearing that black, the black jacket and the beige shirt. So he's wearing that when he goes to apartment two B to look for for Kirby, and she's not there. He's wearing that when he sees her with Dan and Abby, like when he finally sees her. I think that was April twenty third to the press conference. I think, Um, and he follows her to uh, Jeannie's apartment. And he stands outside. He's he's wearing that that same clothes. I have no idea why that scene was in this episode. Because I was just about to say, what was the point of that? It's the only time he has no scar. Also, like in every other scene, mm-hmm. he has the scar already. Yeah, I'm sure there's a reason. I just haven't like I'm trying to mesh the timelines together. It's just really complicated. <laughs> so I'm going by the clothes because we know the clothes are really important. The only time he's wearing that and he looks disheveled, like he doesn't look, you know, in some scenes he looks like more put together and in other scenes he looks like a mess. And I think he's wearing that. Also, that's the day of the hospital, you know, the day that Kirby, he attacks Kirby. Because when he wakes up in the hospital, he has that scar and he has that jacket when he's walking to the house. When he attacks Kirby, he's wearing that as well. So that's April 23rd, that whole that whole thing. Then we're at the Sun-Times and Marcus is showing Abby Kirby's diary. You traitorous fuck. I can't yes. believe you started with her boss and he took her diary. Like, come on. I get that maybe he needs somebody to talk to, but anyway, going to her boss is just cold. I don't know, but I took that last part. He said, like, who do I tell, like, a threat? Ah. Like, he was, he was saying, if you don't do anything, I will, like, maybe tell someone else who can, like... The Tribune? Ruin, ruin the story or something. Yeah. Because he was, like, talking about, like, how how knowing what happened to Kirby made him change and do things that he didn't thought he could do oh right and yeah. then she says wait who do I tell and at the beginning I was like why did he say that remember but later like when I rewatched, maybe I thought that he was threatening her because she's Abby's refusing at first she's like whatever this isn't my business just take go, go talk to your wife and then she after that I guess changes to okay I'll fire mm-hmm. her 
That's so interesting. So it was a threat. I would like to revoke my apology from last <laughs> Um, He doesn't deserve my apology. <laughs> and he can go fuck himself. <laughs> Kate called it from the first episode. By this conversation too, I was thinking, well, when did they get married? Did he find out about her attack after they got married? Well, she started working at the Tribune in 1989. And she was already either dating or married Marcus by 1990 because he talks about the Plainview tornado and he tells her, you got so mad when I went to cover that. And it, he's mentioned when they're talking about the story in, in the past episodes, he's like telling her that she can't do this. Like she worked so hard to get to where she's at. So I'm pretty sure he helped her get to where she's where he thinks she's at. But obviously, I don't think they were together when he gets attacked. Because when Dan's asking Kirby questions about, you're married to Marcus, like you were walking your dog, were you with Marcus? She doesn't know how to answer. That was in 1986. But in 1986, she was working at the Tribune, not the Sun-Times. And Dan and Marcus used to work at the Observer with Abby. And Marcus says that she told him about the attack, so he wouldn't have been with her when it happened. And also, again, he's, like, blaming it all on Abby and Dan, and it's just, like, taking away her agency, and it pisses me off, because, mm-hmm. like, because she's an adult, and he's not respecting her choices or her boundaries, and even if he's got this problem with her right now, you can't blame it on Abby and Dan that she doesn't remember, you know? I just don't like how he's treating her like a child, and I don't like how he communicates. He's always, like, exploding and yelling, and it's weird to me when he says, like, I never used to be angry, because he seems like he has these bursts of anger a lot. And then Kirby and Dan are drinking on the soup and Dan's saying, maybe it's this guy's grandson. And she's like, you know, this is him. And he says, but how do we tell anyone this? Which has been Kirby's problem all along. But now it's them as a team together. It's funny too, at the same time that they're debating how they can possibly tell Abby that Marcus is like talking shit about them to her and blowing the whole thing up. And Kirby says, maybe we just publish the picture and not the rest of the story. She won't, Abby won't listen to me, but she knows you. And then Dan laughs and says, she knows me as if like, that's a problem. And then he tells her about how he was doing the Sunday series and Abby let him take his time with it. But then they found him on a construction site on Clybourne and he had been there for weeks. He was so high when they found him um, that when Abby bailed him out, he couldn't even remember what he was supposed to be writing about. So I don't think he was that drunk. The way he described the memory loss, it was different. It didn't sound like just like a, you know, that he was so fucked up and he was blacked out or whatever. It, didn't, it sounded different, like it, it didn't exist in his brain or something like that. I also just wanted to talk about the tight shot on on them talking on the stairs. It just had this very just tension, intimacy moment. Like it, um, the first, my first time watching it, I was I was just really struck by the way that scene was shot and the way they were talking so talking so intimately. And that I think you were about to get to this, but then it's shot through the I don't, the bars, which shows the the point of view of Harper because he's listening. Yeah. I liked, I liked their intimacy on the steps as well. I just really liked mm. the friendship. Yes. And he says, the people I write about, something went wrong. I meet them on the edge of their lives and I get to be there for them, standing next to them, but my brain shuts off. I forget about everything. And she says, is that what's going to happen to me? You won't remember we were here. And then we see Harper listening. And so now he knows she cares about him, which is probably not a good thing. I love this scene so much. Like I didn't pay, I did pay attention to the first time, but then I watched it the second time. I actually think this scene is one of my favorites in the whole show. I just think it's because Dan and Kirby's friendship, obviously, and he's the only one who understands her. Like what he's saying is exactly why 
he understands her, but it just happens to him in a different way. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. It happens to him in the form of getting fucked up and he loses parts of his memory, obviously, because as we said earlier, it's mentioned all the time that he forgets things. So it's like he understands her because it happens to him as well, but it's just in a different way. Yeah, I like that. Very telling that Harper is listening, but he doesn't have a jacket. He just has a blue shirt. Yeah, it's different clothes. It's important for the future scene. <laughs> I'm concerned that that statement, that that question of hers, of Kirby's, was foreshadowing. And um, is this what's going to happen? You're not going to, you won't remember we were here. I'm concerned that this somehow ends up happily. They save everybody, except they don't remember each other. And that would make me sad because I really enjoy the friendship they built or whatever's going on we need the comments about all his fuck up memory loss not to just be about getting high as head <laughs> we need it to be that his reality shifting please survive yeah if you guys can manage that in the next four days that would be cool and then they take freddie with them to work and dance teaching freddie how to look things up on the computer which was newish back then and I do not think this is relevant, but it's 8.05, the opposite time than it was at the slaughterhouse. So the hands are in the same place, but they switched. It doesn't matter. Some guy comes to tell her that Abby needs to see her. And because of how he's acting, you can tell that he knows something bad's about to happen. And Kirby comes into Abby's office and it's clear from the jump that she's going to fire her. Uh, and Abby doesn't even give her a clear reason for being fired, just that she's had difficult conversations. And when Kirby asks with who, Abby says this is all just happening internally, which I guess might be another clue to what you said, Deanna. Uh, but literally, she doesn't tell her anything. And you can't fire someone for reading their diary, Abby. Uh, Dan comes in and he demands to know what's going on. Kirby says she's firing me and Abby corrects and says it's a leave of absence and Dan's like desperately like let's talk this out and Abby's kind of bitchy now she's like we just did you need to sign some paperwork get your check and Kirby leaves and Dan's like just don't leave wait for me and he's frantically like telling Abby that she found him the murderer she shows him she shows her the card and she says this is from 1916 and she's totally appalled and then she sounds exactly like Marcus when she says, what the fuck are you saying? But like when he said earlier, what the fuck is Dan telling you? And a few scenes before. And he yells, this is him. And she tells him to go home, go hang out with your kid. I think it sucks that, you know, we learned that before she gets attacked, she's about to get her byline and get her story. And now, even though she survived, the same thing basically just happened to her. Because she asked her, like, what about my story? You're going to do it without me. They took it away again. Even though it, it happened differently, the result is kind of like the same. Yeah. So it, it sucks. And Kirby's at her cubicle, which has already been cleared out. That was stupid, Marcus. And Marcus <laughs> approaches with one of those getting fired boxes. And she asks why he has all her stuff. And he says, come on, we'll talk about it at home. But she demands to know, how did he know she was being fired before her? And there's a moment where you can see her visually recognize what's happened. And he says, you told me you didn't remember me. I'd be negligent if I ignored that. So you got me fired? No, I got you a break. Some time to figure this shit out. That's what I'm doing. And he says, it's not going well, not from where I'm standing. And then she's like, where? Where am I going? Just because I don't work here anymore doesn't mean I'm going to stop looking for him. And he says, we have a good life. And she says, it's not mine. And then she says, I'll go by my place and get my thing. I'm sorry. And then she says, I'll go by your place and get my things. Just give me a couple of hours. And he just says, okay, take however long you need. He takes it pretty fucking well in a weird way. Don't you guys think it's weird how he's just like, okay. All decency, no compassion. I think he was expecting for her not to react that way. I think he was just expecting for her to go home with him. And when, because that's, I think, what the old Kirby would have his Kirby, quote unquote, would have done. 
And when she tells him, you know, I'm not going to stop looking and I'm going to go get my stuff, it's kind of telling him like, yeah, I choose what I'm doing over our life together. And you could see that he's like, he was bothered by it. Then Rachel's helping her pack and just taking random stuff because she's pissed off that he got her fired. But then she stops and she's like, none of this feels like you. Kirby thanks her mom and comes over and hugs her. And Rachel says, well, you're all over the fucking place today, aren't you? I like her in this. I know. I really, I really love her mom. Although I'd love to know why they weren't talking. Like, Yeah, I had the same question. Yes. Because she seems like so understanding of her. When she goes to her mom's, um, Kirby asks her mom, like, why don't we talk anymore? And her mom's like, well, that was your choice. You can come to service whenever you want. As if that's required to talk. Exactly. Oh, so, so analyzing that later uh, in episode five, I don't remember. Uh, in the same, I mean, in, I'm guessing it's the same timeline or the same Kirby that is like, yeah, questioning why she didn't talk to her mom before. Mm-hmm. But then uh, in this a scene of the sandwich, is it, right? she's she's like takes the phone and you know like he she doesn't want to get the call but it's the same Kirby so I don't know it's confusing right yeah (laughs) I don't know if it's important to point out but I noticed another reflection in the mirror when she goes to hug her mom by the closet and they use a lot of mirrors and reflections and yeah and then and then um Rachel tells her reminds Kirby about how she was going to write about the guy at the Tribune who took the bribes and she's not worried about her you're going to make it and Sharon says like you were on a rocket, you'll get back there. So she was shining. Kirby realizes, oh, shit, she's, he's probably going to attack Jenny tonight because this is her big um, speech. And she grabs the Pegasus before she leaves. I had a question about the Pegasus because Kirby slash Sharon is the only one we ever see Harper visit as a child, right? Is she the only one he's given like a little gift to? I don't think we're, I don't, I think that we're supposed to understand that he's done it to everybody, but we, they don't have time to show it. In the, in the book, he, he was, she was the only one actually. And it was also this, the first scene in the book. And, but he, he liked to go to their childhood actually in once for one of the girls, he goes back and tells her that she was going to die, that he was going to kill her. Right. And then that actually makes her go into a big like depression thing. And then she loses her chine because of that. And he doesn't take any pleasure killing him after because she he did that. So yeah, he liked to play that. Yeah. Oh, so I thought he did visit them, but thank you for clarifying. I, I feel like um, so what does he do? He decides who he's gonna kill, he kills them, and then he goes back in time to fuck with them and meet them as a child or maybe some of them and then yeah just fucks with them because he's always saying not today yeah or 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 indicates that this has happened before or something but that's a that's a good point Deanna just made is like why go back and destroy them I I, like so that they never achieve their shine if that's what he's he's realized he made a mistake yeah and then Mm -hmm. he starts to change their strategy like he he's like playing with that so in some cases he killed them and then went back and in some other cases first he went there and like followed them and then killed them he was playing with it basically can i make a side note but i was just wanting to know i was confused about julia i was thinking about julia madrigal today when um when she's in the house talking to her dad and we see that photo of her at the beach and she doesn't remember being there and also her dad was playing some music and her dad said you've heard this before and obviously she doesn't remember why is that because 
obviously, so far we've only seen that Kirby, because she wasn't killed, is that her reality shifts. So what's going on with Julia? Maybe that's something that will happen. Like, I mean, at least the photo is probably something that happened in the future and something that Harper brought back in time. Like, she will go to the shore, but she doesn't know yet. But her dad remembers it, though. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. He remembers it. Hmm. So that's why I'm just so confused. I can't help you. There's too many questions. Then Dan's calling Kirby. He's worried about her. They're still at the office. And Freddie says she's probably sleeping. Let's drive over to her house and grab some food on the way. So someone comes over with Clara's police report, and he even has Freddie read it to him. Uh, the property report, one burlap bag, loose paper, one first stole, chestnut brown, pearl earrings. Oh, and, the, and he asked what was on the paper, and it's a receipt from April 15th, 1981, with two double whiskeys on it. So this is going to obviously be from SIDS. And the coroner it seems interesting. Sorry, it's, I was just going to say, it seems interesting that he, obviously, he stabbed her or whatever. What did he do in the bed? Strangle her, punch her or something. And then he takes her to teenies and what? Takes her fur coat with them? I don't know. To leave evidence? Yeah. Like, seem, seems strange. What, what's the burlap bag for? I mean, to cover her? Like, was she in this? Or? I don't know. The property report, um, the date of the property report is 20, October 24th, 1920. Which is the same date. It's as the, the Sunday. Yeah, it's the Sunday we were. It's the day that was on the watch in episode six. Yeah. When Sister Flora, before, in theory, before they found the house on October 9th, so... Riddle me that. Yeah, how the, how the, so that's because that must be the day when she was found. But is this her night when she was killed or is it the next day or how many? Well, what, sorry, what is she wearing? What, what is she wearing when she has, when Harper gives her the watch? She has, she has pearl earrings, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and check the episode. Did she steal the, the coat with the weird animal on it? She had she had the coat. Does the first doll have a head on it or not, though? Which one is it? Uh, we don't know. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know if, if that would be the same day. I mean, no, it's not the same day. Never mind. Yeah, but maybe maybe the watch was kind of a foreshadowing of her death. Yeah. Day or like the day when she will be discovered. Maybe he killed her at five fifty nine or at six a.m. in the morning. Like Groundhog Day. Actually, it's the Paris time, so it would have been. Uh, I don't know what is it six hours yeah so it, it would have been like um yeah. 20, like maybe he was she was killed at that time in the middle of the night like at 12 12 a.m where is Bill Murray when you need him yeah <laughs> he, he's not here Bill fucking Murray yeah. and then Freddie Freddie asked how and then Freddie's like but how could she have a receipt from 1981 if it's only 1920 and Dan just looks at him and he can't quite answer and he's like let's go and they were back at the galactic collisions event and Gary's telling Jenny to go talk to people but she is very unshiny and unhappy and paranoid and now we hear what Theo says to her in episode one when she leaves the party which is that he can't get the Ogden live feed to register which is clearly important to the show and you'd think she'd take someone with her at this point but here we are she turns oh my god seriously (laughs) why right Right. Jenny, like you should have said, Theo, come with me. Right? Like come on. Somebody right. come with me. 
Uh, anyway, uh, so she turns the telescope just like in episode one, and the door opens, and Ginny hides this time, but this time it's Kirby, armed with a knife to defend them, defend her. Do you think Ginny um, stopped to hide when she heard the yeah. telescope move and it reminded her? Of course. Yeah. All right, so where's Harper? And apparently he's found a new goal, hurting Kirby by killing Dan. So Dan and Freddie pull up to Sid's and he leaves Freddie in the car, which I'm not entirely on board with anyone's decisions in this episode, but no. whatever. <laughs> and that doesn't look like a great neighborhood to leave no, in the car. The windows are down, the door's unlocked. All right, whatever. At first I thought maybe Harper was going to kill Freddie. And I was really concerned, even though obviously I'm concerned that he kills Dan, but like I was like, oh my god, can you please not kill Freddie? Oh, I know. Same. Afterwards, I was worried about it too. Dan's looking around Sid's and sees the Sharon's gone, like the smoke quote. And then Kirby's with Jenny saying she can't understand why Harper isn't there trying to kill her. It's a big, it's her big event. And then Jenny runs off remembering she's late for the show. And that annoys me too. Like, come on, we've got more serious things at hand here, Jenny. Can we just let the show go? And then Dan's looking around Sid's when he finds Clara's poster from 1920 and sees Harper in the reflection. And Harper says, how'd you find her? And then he attacks Dan, stabbing him. He says, thanks, man, as he takes Dan's jacket. And didn't notice that Dan stole his wallet first, which I'm hoping has the picture with the house address on the back of it. I, I was going to ask you guys, at what point did you start getting uh, tense and worried about Dan? Because for me, it was when um, when Kirby says, where is he? Why isn't he here? And then I was like, oh, crap. And, and I was hoping I was wrong. But I was when they go back to Dan, I was just getting really, really, really scared that that, that exactly what happens ends up happening is what was going to happen. And so is that did you guys have a similar? Yeah. As soon as um, she walked in on Ginny, I was like, holy shit, where's Harper? He's going for Dan. Oh, you were even earlier than I was. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Like, I just started thinking, when did Harper decide to kill Dan or why like I'm sure it was because of what he heard and because he doesn't have to kill Jeannie anymore because Jeannie didn't do what she was supposed to do she wasn't in the planetarium during that show but I'm still not 100% sure that he was not going to kill Jeannie if he hadn't heard that conversation so it was why do you guys think that he killed Dan I think it was because to hurt Kirby I think that well when uh, Jeannie didn't show up in when she was supposed to then uh, he realized that Kirby had been fucking up with his plans. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that he has like some, I don't know how to call it, but he always wants to, uh, that everything happens exactly the same all the time. And he goes like to relieve those scenes and he's satisfied when they happen exactly the same. Like, uh, for example, when uh, in the first scene, when she uh, gives, he gives Kirby the, the horse, and she says, like, I'm not going to take it. And, and he says, you always do, right? And uh, then she takes it. And he's like, this is mine, right? And then he was annoyed when uh, Clara didn't do what he wanted. And same phrase, you always do, you always come back, right? And so he is be fucked up with that. And immediately, then he goes uh, to spy on them. And when they are talking and he realizes that Dan is important for her. Yeah. You know, because she was, she's like wondering, like, are you going to forget me or something like that? And just, because he was, I saw like he was like about to go after her in that scene, but then he like stops mm -hmm. and goes back. That, I think that's the moment when he makes a decision. 
He decides to fuck with her worse by killing someone that actually understands her. Is he, do you think he's dead? I, mean, I think we, we need to discuss this. Like, are we... I think he's dead. Okay. And I think he comes back to life, like Jenny. I mean, Jenny is, can come back to life, so... Yeah. Why can't... Yeah. I have a weird um, theory that <laughs> probably won't happen, but I feel like the wallet that... Um, or what I assume was a wallet that he took out of Harper's pocket was obviously so that Kirby could find some evidence on him. She finds the address... And then maybe goes to see Leo. Maybe Leo can tell her how the house works. And then going back to possibly save Dan from being murdered and then blowing up the house. Or you could do a spin-off series of Kirby like going back in time, saving all the people that were murdered. I think maybe she could, maybe the, the fact that stuff shifts and changes for her gives her like if she finds the house and goes to the house maybe that somehow means that she can have the ability to to use the house or, or, or... i think she would because they're they're connected mm-hmm. and leo and and harper weren't so that's why leo yeah and when harper first went in the house the guy that owned it was alive but harper could hear the sounds of the house right so yeah in theory mm-hmm. he could already time travel even though that guy was alive so maybe kirby can also already time travel even yeah. though Harper's still, yeah, even though Harper's still alive. Yeah, I somehow think that he'll be in the last episode, and I sincerely hope he will. And I quite like Leo. I hope he appears again before the end. Yeah. Yeah. I do worry about that outcome, though, that, that the sacrifice will be, Dan can be resurrected if they change the past, or if, if Kirby finds a way to change the past and, and Dan is, is alive again, but it might mean that their personal reality shifts, or maybe they, I don't know, mm-hmm what has to happen in order to make that happen but yeah or maybe she can save him and then but the sacrifice is them not knowing each other anymore right that's what i'm worried about yeah but that doesn't mean that they can't meet again yeah yeah for sure then um yeah then jenny's getting kicked out of her own presentation and it's no longer her own presentation gary's wearing a suit theo doesn't recognize her nobody does and you can see as she walks out, she's in casual clothes now, and she kind of looks in from the outside as she leaves. Gary looks a little sad for her or something, which is nice. Then Jenny, when Jenny gets back to Kirby, she also looks different. And then Freddie sees Harper leaving the bar and calls him over and asks if he was hanging out with his dad. And Harper says, I didn't see him. And Freddie's like, uh, you just came out from there, and that's my dad's jacket. Why are you wearing it? Harper enjoys this exchange and leaves a bloody handprint on the window. And there are like some weird sounds. I'm again probably just stretching, yeah, because I want to. But I really want there to be a reality change that will bring Dan back to life. I don't know if he's dead. I'm I, I'm hoping he's not really dead at all. And if he's dead, I hope yeah they can reverse that. I think probably they will have a kind of a race against the clock in the last episode to save him probably. I wanted to know what you think the last episode will be about, like what will happen. So like a little prediction. Somehow Dan comes back. (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) I think they'll definitely end up at the house. I just don't know how they're going to get there, what they're going to do with it. Kirby will be at the house, I think for sure. I would like Dan to be with her because he worked hard on this as well, but it might be Jenny or it might just be Kirby. What if they like lock... (laughs) Harper in the house and that first scene that we see him is him being able to get out because he doesn't die they don't kill him or they leave him they thought he was going to die and it just starts over again that's kind of like my theory but I don't know 
I always thought that like the outside of the house, the appearance of the house is not connected to the inside. Like, because we have those different years, we see in the house from the outside, like we have mm -hmm. 9 to 20, where it looked kind of nice, really. And then we have like episode one, and where it's 1992, I think, where everything is boarded up and he kind of needs to break out of the house. And I felt like these changes happen just on the outside. Like, it's just the appearance of the house, of the house but it will not change the inside, kind of. I, I think this she's gonna have to deal with the with another kind of reality maybe she's no longer married to Marcus or I don't know something like that I'm finding the house maybe the photo with the uh, the mattress is in the wallet I don't know that's one of my theories <laughs> so it's it's very impractical. So I, I actually um, to come back to my theory or whatever what I think uh, will happen in the last episode I really did like um Violet's theory from last week's episode um, where she said that about that they need to destroy the house to end the time loop I, I just say it's a loop kind of because everything keeps like happening over and over I really like the I don't know if you guys ever saw that but Gary like the colleague of Ginny always wears this name tag with the infinity Oh, symbol. Oh, so I, I like gosh. that symbolism kind of, okay, it's, it's like like a time is like mm -hmm. repeating itself all the time. Uh -huh. And so, it? yeah, and so I think like maybe Ginny and Kirby will, yeah, find the house because Dan took the wallet and the address will be in there and they try to destroy it somehow so they can, so yeah. Harper cannot travel anymore. And so everything that he's done will be undone, kind of. And yeah. But do we and he couldn't go past time that yes point. yeah yeah so time resets itself kind of and we probably see um kirby on the day where she's walking tokyo at the beach and she will not be attacked and she will have a yeah. line and everything will be fine yeah do you reckon Ginny will also make a speech yeah yeah i think everything everything that harper did to those women will just be not happening anymore yeah. if they destroy the house i don't know how they destroy the house because I don't think that destroying it from the outside will change anything because I think it was you, Rachel, who said that maybe the house is like timeless and in a limbo kind of. Yeah, a couple back in episode. Yeah, so I think it, it needs to be destroyed from the inside. And I, I remember mm -hmm. Helen said there was this, this strange clock that didn't even change time. Yeah, so I think like maybe they need to make this clock running again and then time will catch up to itself and <laughs> move on and do you guys feel like the house is malicious because i think it from the show it seems like the guy before i don't get the impression he was a serial killer no. which obviously no i, can't tell I think that he just traveled and collected things like he seemed yeah. like a collector right and maybe and gambles. harper's using it for evil right so yeah i feel like it should i mean knowledge is power somehow and he knew he knew this the knowledge for the wrong reason because we don't want to we don't want harper to be either harper is murdered i mean i guess they could do that too but like destroy the house and also somehow harper either is maybe inside the house and die, perishes with it or get him stuck at his original time so that he just lives his his normal life and doesn't affect anything else maybe he will kill clara anyways in 1920 and he will be arrested and that's how his story will end 
Okay, I think that's a wrap on our analysis of Shining Girls Episode 7. Come back tomorrow if you are a Handmaid's Tale fan for our deep dive into Season 2, Episode 12. And next week uh, for the big finale of Shining Girls next Tuesday. We are very excited to find out what happens. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.